Hey guys, what's going on? It's your good guy here, Prince Onyx. I just want to say first and foremost, thank you to the Anchor FM app because without it, the Royal Hour podcast would have never been able to see the light of day. Here at Anchor FM, it is a free 99 app that allows you to record and edit your podcast with all the tools that are available to you. And again, did I mention that it is totally free? Oh yeah, it is free, free, free. And this app is free. Da 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 da. It's free. It's the free ninety nine for me. With this app, of course, like I said, it's free. You get to edit and record your podcast. You have all the tools available, and it is distributed to other podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more. So be sure to join Anchor FM today and let them know that the Royal Hour Podcast by Prince Onyx sent you. Thank you. Ciao. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Royal Hour Podcast, hosted by the one and only Prince Onyx. Join me on a daily to weekly basis with the Royal Court and I as we delve deep into a wide range of topics. From entertainment to politics, both professional and streetwise, to personal stories of things that we've experienced. From dating troubles to family drama and even our own tea that'll get spilled. All from a Chicago perspective that at times can be viewed as worldly. You can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, and more. This is a show that you don't want to miss. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It's your good guy here, Prince Onyx, and I want to welcome y'all back to the Royal Hour podcast. Now, as promised, of course, my good sis Crystal Mary was going to always come back, but we also have a special guest along with Crystal. But on top of that, we are going to talk about the very first episode of the reboot remake series of Interview with the Vampire, which is a part of the Anne Rice novels, which is now, I guess you can say, like the Anne Rice Cinematic Universe, even though she's gone on to glory. But before we dive in, I want to let Crystal speak and let us give us updates on what's been going on with her and let um, her husband, Nate, who is the third guest who is joining us, um, introduce himself as well. So how are you guys doing and any updates you want to give us, Crystal? And then we let Nate introduce himself and we dive right on in. All right. Hi! Yay! I'm I'm excited. We're we're actually doing this. I know that we uh, you know we had planned it, and here we are doing the things. Um, updates. Uh, it's been a really fantastic October uh, so far. I actually got to do my first art show kind of thing uh, at the beginning of the month, which was fantastic. It went really well. I was very pleased. I sold a lot of art prints, so that was great. Um, I still have my other art show that's coming up on the 22nd here, and it's going to be a costume party. I wish you could be here, Onyx, because <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh, you already know, Chad. You already know. I would be dressed to the nines. But no, Nate, this is true. Okay, but congrats on the art show, though, and letting us know how everything went. I already knew it was going to go good because, like... Aww. You're just you're just awesome. You know what I'm saying? But I also oh, want to again you. welcome Nate. You're very welcome. And again, I want to welcome Nate on board, who is Crystal's husband. And he has been uh, a quiet supporter, if you will, of your good guy here, Prince Onyx, ladies and gentlemen, of the Royal Court. But I want to introduce Nate because we were talking before we started recording, y'all, and... 
I was something in my spirit was like, yeah, bring Nate on because the three of there's three minds are better than one. Okay. But Nate, you want to let the people know how you are doing, give any updates on life and yeah, just introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and what you're about. And yeah. A bit unexpected, but I'm Nathan Mary. I'm Crystal's husband. Um, I am. uh, I have studied vampires for a long time, which is why I've joined in on this uh, podcast. Um, Role played with the Vampire the Masquerade for several years and have watched and consumed much media and books on vampires um and rice is not one of my uh the novels that i've uh, consumed but i know quite a bit about um but i am happy to be joining this podcast and uh giving my knowledge and opinions on the uh series that has been produced well thank you thank you well again i'm gonna be honest with y'all to the audience to the royal court the first episode kind of snatched my wig a little bit, and y'all already know that I'm bald as can be, but child, they kind of shifted my wig and took my edges along with them. But anyway, um, what I will say is that from my perspective, and y'all know me as, as Prince Onyx, you know, as a black gay man, I will say that we are getting that black experience that I was calling out for the last time me and Crystal had spoke when we spoke on Interview with the Vampire. And we're getting it because you have Louis, who is now a essentially a mulatto, so he's biracial, um, and that is because of what clearly happened to his ancestors dating back to slavery. So there was clearly some unconsensual sex that happened, and so you know from his from his lineage on down, you know it, it's him, his brother, his sister, and their mother. Uh, but the gag is is that the brother and sister look more phenotypically like they're they look they are blacker looking than louis like louis light skin but you, you again you can tell that he's clearly mulatto he's biracial um and so it's like you know we're getting the black experience he's a pimp in the 20th century so this is like in ni- the year 1910 they're in the south in new orleans and of course they have lestat being uh white which i i really wish they would have made him black but we will talk about that in a bit but i would say as far as like um first thoughts and first impressions I, it really gagged me because I was just like, God damn, like, OK, I wasn't expecting that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but there were just it, it just for me, for me, I just the power dynamic because you have Lestat being this white man who's a vampire who is like hunting and lurking and trying to like really entice and entrap Louis, who is a biracial black man and get him to be you know, a part of the vampire lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like the way that he goes about it. It's just like, it's like, again, for those of y'all who know, the fans of the novel and the 90s movie have always disliked, uh, have always disliked Louis because he was, you know, a little crybaby whiny ass bitch. But now people, well, me, fuck it. I'm people. I'm the people. I feel more more sorry for Louis because he is black. So there's that, you know, identity politics, um, biracial or not, but he is, you know, he's black phenotypically and all that. But now I'm leaning more so, more so towards having that empathy and sympathy for Louis than I would for Lestat because Lestat is still white. And so for me, I feel like if they would have made him, if they would have had both them being black, 
how would that have looked? Because Louis and Claudia are both black, but Lestat is white. And it just makes it seem like Lestat is giving that energy of being that liberal, you know, that liberal white twink that's like that has BLM in their bio on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok when they're really just doing that as a dog whistle for like, oh, I just really love black men and I just want some black cock. But anyway, um, you know, so it's just like. I wonder what the dynamic would have looked like if they were both black versus it's the black and white thing because, you know, Hollywood and their interracial agendas. But, you know, I digress. But anyway, I'm going to pass the mic over to Crystal and Nate. But what do you guys think, though? Like, just as far as, like, first impressions, first thoughts, before like as we get deeper and deeper into this. Uh, let's see. First initial impressions straight out the, uh, the gate. Um what I noticed first was the cinematography. Uh, the first thing that really caught my attention was how they had opened with the immortal universe, which kind of clocked me to think, okay, they're going to try to make this a thing. And I know we had kind of talked about it already and we can touch back on it for sure. But I was like, okay, they're trying to pull an MCU here. So they're going to tr- probably try to bring in uh, the Mayfair, which is later, which we checked. And that looks like that's going to be a thing. Um, and I, there was actually that really great shot of the, the cityscape that was opening, opening up, um, like vampire teeth, like it was all red and the sharp pointy, uh, buildings on the top and the bottom. Cause it was like a mirror effect. Um, I was like, that's a good shot. That's a damn good shot. Um, truthfully, the, per- the first, uh, section with what's his name, Daniel, yeah, da- Daniel Mallory. I think that's it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's his name. Um, that whole opening section in there with him, like going through the newsreel, and then I, to be honest, I was bored. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm just like, who is this dude, and why should I care about him? And then when he met up with uh, Louis in Louis's kind of private coffin gallery, I was just like, again. Who is this dude and why should I care? Um, And I mean, I hate to be that kind of person who's just like, you know, 90s were better or, you know, what what have you. But I was just like, at least in the very first, like, some odd minutes of interview from the 90s shot, I, you know, you're automatically like, what is going on? Because the music is just this very haunting lilt and you're just walking through the street of New Orleans and then you go up to that building and then you see... You know, there's that shot of Louis just kind of looking out of the city and then you have, you know, Christian Slater's character who's just called the boy in, you know, the original book. And he's just, you know, talking like a normal person. But there's that just that lingering shot on Louis and you, you as an audience member, you're like, what's going on with that guy? Why is he so stoic? Why he's so quiet? What is going on? So initially, first out the great, I was bored. But then when we actually kicked back to the past and the story started really ramping up, then I started to become more interested. And I do agree with what you had said, uh, Onyx, what you just touched on. It is very, very interesting that they chose to keep Lestat white and they made Louis black because it changes not only the dynamic of their relationship, but how that is going to play out through the rest of the series because now you cannot ignore the fact that one of them is white and one of them is black. 
So that's those are my thoughts. Mm, got you, got you. And Nate, what were your thoughts on everything? Like, as far as like first looks, first impressions, like, did it pull you in right away? Or was it like, okay, let me let me let let me see where the story goes type of vibe? Um, it didn't actually pull me in right away. Um, the opening for the, well, starting with the immortal mm-hmm. opening, I was like, okay, so it's just another fancy, uh, CGI company. Cool. Um, we've seen these multiple times and they get very elaborate with their scenes, but, um, the opening with the city, um, I saw it very Castlevania because uh, oh, yeah. the the uh, Dracula's castle is one way, and then you have to move to the other side, which is upside down. Um, at least in Symphony of the Night. So um, I found that very interesting. So it was kind of the flip of the mortal realm and the vampire realm going into it that's a great shot it was a great shot from my point of view um i was very i don't know i i wasn't very interested with the the person we actually thought it was a uh youtube ad we did um, no, i did I, I did too i was like what i was did like what I did too. I was like, "What in the advertisement is going on?" But as it kept going, like as it kept going, I'm just like, "Oh shit, this is actually a part of the episode." I was like, "Girl, well, y'all could yeah. fool the three of us because we looking like, uh, do we skip this or do we just let right. it rock?" Right. Like our initial response was, "No one cares, YouTube." Right. Um, <laughs> I was just like, "Can we skip this?" Ep- it's oh, not oh wait, that's part of the episode. I'm sorry. Shit. Never mind. Okay, um, like, girl, what is going on? <laughs> So, I uh, that was my initial response was I don't care. Mm, got you, skip. got you. Okay, so what? I what was do waiting you... for the skip button. Look, okay, uh, same, same. So, yeah. what would you um? So, as as we get to the point where, because as the story before, as the story is about to start unfolding, we are then shown that Louis and the interviewer Daniel uh, Molly. They have had an interview in the past, but clearly things went left because apparently Daniel was really bad on drugs and he clearly may have said something that was out of line or disrespect to him or he may have triggered Louie in some way. Um, So what do you guys think about that? Like, do you guys think we will see like maybe possible flashbacks of what happened in their first interview because there's a relationship between them already established. Whereas in the movie, the interviewer had sought out, um, had sought out, uh, Louis, uh, was, yeah, I think, I believe it was Louis. He sought out Louis and, you know, wanted to interview him because he was curious on if he was really a vampire or if he was bullshitting. But here we already have that relationship established. So what are your, what are you guys' thoughts? I thought it was interesting. Um, I felt it was, um, maybe a, maybe it's a big, maybe a callback to the original and this, and, um, the interviewer was, you know, maybe, um, gotten older, Mm. but 
that's a big maybe because the interaction between the two characters was not the same. It was not, you know, um, what, what's the actor's name? Mm. Or the first interviewer. Oh, Christian Slater. Christian Slater. I didn't get the feeling that this would be an older Christian Slater. No. Because I didn't think that Christian Slater's character would have been on drugs or anything. He just smoked a lot. That part. So you see how they even changed that. So it's just like we went from a chain smoker to whatever drug Daniel was on that he clearly got himself sober up, sobered up enough to where it's like, okay, let me interview Louie again and hopefully not yeah. piss him off this time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and then there's the um uh, the genetic disease and all that. And I'm like, okay, what are you getting at? You know, are you gonna turn this guy or are you just gonna talk to him? What what is your goal, Louie? Because the, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was like a shot of Daniel's neck and it looked like Louie may have bit him before or maybe. Yeah, he scratched, yeah. Like, that. yeah. Yeah, like, or maybe, or maybe he scratched him. Oh, why, hello there. I didn't see you come creeping into my attic. Messy, isn't it? Well, no matter. No matter. Welcome to Mary's Attic. The storytelling podcast where your host, that's me, tells you tales that range from the horror section of my collection to the fantastical lands of fairy tale fan fiction. I'm so pleased that you have decided to join me as I take you through tales of mystery and mayhem. Whatever podcatcher of your choice that you are listening to this on, be sure to subscribe, comment, leave a five-star review, and tell anyone you can about this old attic of mine. After all, attics are truly more cozy when you have someone to share them with. Don't you agree? Mary's Attic is produced by me, Crystal Mary, whose artistic endeavors can be viewed at Mothlace. M-O-T-H underscore L-A-C-E on Instagram, where links to my Redbubble and published works can also be found in the description box. See you all in the attic. But it's just like, it just made it look like, okay, if Louis, if, okay, going by this theory, if Louis bit you before, you would not still be dealing with Parkinson disease right now. You would be like literally cured from that because being a vampire, you don't have to worry about things like Parkinson's disease or cancer or HIV or in anything of the sort. Like you're okay. So it's just yes. like something clearly happened in that first interview where Louis got mad enough to maybe he just scratched him, but he didn't bite him or whatever the case is. You know, he didn't well, complete the vampire transformation. I don't know. Well, from from my experience with the lore, uh, one bite doesn't necessarily turn you into a vampire. It has to you have to have some blood involved from the vampire in order to make that transformation. So if he's bitten and not healed from that bite, those marks will still be there as a scar. Okay, got you, got you. Mm, see, interesting point. See, this is why, again, y'all, to my royal court, I have people who are into <laughs> the same stuff that I'm into on the show because, 
you know, they educate me, but they also are educating y'all, you know. But Crystal, what are your thoughts, though, as far as like, like, you know, as far as like the whole relationship dynamic that's between Daniel and Louis thus far? I mean, uh, honestly, I I was a little confused because at first and I'm just I'm just kind of checking my my facts here real quick because I honestly thought that Daniel either was supposed to be David who is part of the Talamaskan group um, that does the researching and keeping of the records for all the vampires, including Lestat and what whatnot. You know, there there are a bunch of humans that are keeping tabs on the vampires. Um, but I thought he was supposed to be that at first, but I just did a little bit of like digging just to keep myself within the realm of like, okay, I need to know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, Daniel is actually the name of the interviewee who interviewed Louis in the very first book. But when we, we meet him initially, he doesn't have a name, but what I'm kind of just sort of gleaning through here, that shot of him with that, you know, with a vampire bite, it could either be a callback to the original nineties movie where, you know, after he leaves that room after, Louis essentially assaults him, you know, being like, do you like being food for the immortals? Do you like dying? You know, all of that stuff. Um, He runs to his car and then he starts to drive over the bridge and then Lestat attacks him and bites him. And then we get that sense of, oh, maybe this is going to be his new companion. It could either be a call to that or it could be a setup for this other thing that, that happens canonically in the books, which is... Daniel becomes obsessed with finding Lestat and he goes on a search for him, but he Mm. finds Armand instead and Mm. Armand and Daniel become lovers. Mm. And see, my theory is I feel like, I feel like Daniel is low-key a part of that group that you had mentioned, but we're not Mm. going to find out about that until like, the, I feel like the last episode, they're really going to cram a lot of stuff in because my theory is because we have Mayfair Witches that it's coming in January of 2023. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, again, this is they're basically trying to pull an MCU type of thing where everything is connected. But they're starting with Interview with the Vampire and then they're going to move forward. So it's just I feel like he is a part of that group. But maybe he got kicked out because of his drug habit and because of how his research was just probably all over the place. And I feel like the that first interview with Louis made them feel like, OK, you can't even, you know, calmly interview this vampire without triggering him. Because I feel like mm-hmm. at some point they're going to either Lou, either Louis or Daniels, they're one of them are going to mention what happened in the first interview because something happened to where Louis got triggered as he played the recording and Louis was just like angry and he was going ang- he was angry and he was going off on him and I remember him I remember hearing something like oh after everything I've told you this is how you did it and I'm just like whoa what the hell mm-hmm. happened to where you pissed off Louis because now that we're seeing Louis, he's very, you know, he's very cool, calm and collective. But clearly, you know, but, you know, as we go into his his history, it's like he wasn't necessarily always it. it 
it's always the cool, calm, collective ones who will snap on you within a moment's notice. Those are the ones you got to look out for. But it just seems like now he's just kind of like, you know what? Look, Daniel, we can do this interview, but I need to be able to trust that you're not going to trigger me like you did last time. Because, again, us as the audience and as I'm telling you guys this too, the royal court, we don't know what happened in that first interview. All we know is that Daniel is taking another swing at interviewing Louis again, and hopefully everything goes smooth. But I feel like, you know, my conspiracy is that, or my theory rather, is that he is a part of that group, but he may have gotten kicked out. I mean, they could probably try to do that if they only have like, say, eight, eight episodes to establish this universe. Um, they could be trying to mash Daniel and David into one person, which wouldn't actually be difficult considering their names will start with V. Um, you know, it it would be a way to bring in the Talamaskans, an easy way to bring in the Talamaskans, and then you know, eventually lead us into Queen of the Damned and all and Mayfair witches. And I think because I think the Talamaskans play a pretty heavy part in Mayfair witches, so I don't think that that theory is unfounded. Um, but it is interesting to make him this, you know, I think the triggering thing has to do with like what we saw in the 90s one where after Louis tells his whole story, Daniel is essentially like, I want to be immortal. Like that sounds dope, even though, you know, Louis laid out his tragedy and that's what made Louis like, you know, be trip and be like, are you fucking kidding me? I just told you about how awful and sad everything is and you still want to be immortal. Like, were you not listening? Mm. But then again, he was hopped up on drugs and everything. So it's like, dude, it was the 80s. No, he wasn't listening. He was doing a line of coke in between tapes. Oh. What are you even going on about here? Look, like, let's be real. Look, okay, he was definitely snorting the finest coke he could find, and he was just like, "Okay, what did you say?" Like you no over shit. here, like you over here pouring your heart out, and he just like, <sighs> it's just like, girl, get the like, girl. <laughs> right, I can't hear you over the sound of my credit card cutting. Oh, I am screaming. <laughs> well, Nate, what are your thoughts? Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts about it from like what me and Crystal have discussed? Like, what are your thoughts as well? Oh, I, um, on that end, I, I don't have a lot. Mm, that, to be honest. No problem. No problem. Well, so as we dive into Louis's background and we see again, he is this biracial black man in the in the 20th century. It's the year 1910. We're in New Orleans and he's a pimp. He's he's running like, I believe, eight brothels Um, at one of the brothels. He has this one girl, this one woman, Lily, who he favors. You know, he always goes to visit her and patronizes her or whatever. And, um, you know, but we see before we get to that part, we see that he has his brother, Paul, who is the religious fanatic. And he's just like preaching to the, the prostitutes, basically for them to change their ways and to no longer, you know, give in to the flesh and blah, 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 blah. And because they Paul and Louis are black men, you know, Louis has to essentially threaten his brother with physical harm. Of like, hey, if you don't get out of here, I will slice your throat and stab you in front of all of these people because what are you doing? You're interrupting my business. Because clearly, Louis's business, because you gotta also we, we also have to be mindful of the time that we are in. Louis's line of work is what's bringing money into the home. Because as we discover later on, which we will speak on, is that with Paul, there is some mental illness there. 
And because of how he's turned to religion, that's kind of like his quote unquote therapy, his form of healing, but it really doesn't help him. And because, you know, again, it's it's Louis, Paul, their sister and their mother, you know, women couldn't have jobs back in those times essentially so it's like you know there has to be some type of income coming in and because of their lineage and i would say mainly because of their last name they are still a part of the affluent socialite circle in new orleans so um when we meet louis but when he's human he's very you know he's very much like you know in survival mode like he has to show this this strength, this, you know, bravado, this, you know, I'm the protector, like I'm, I'm the protector, I'm the businessman, I'm a boss, I do boss things. He has to carry this sort of mindset because he can't show weakness, because he's already in a peculiar space where he is a black biracial man in this time frame. And it's very hard to, you know, really get respect so you have to like take it essentially by any means necessary so what are you guys' thoughts about that i'll start with crystal first oh i mean there there is so much my first my first initial thought on the time change um was i feel like you louis is going to miss out on so much of as as a black man, this particular Louis, by not setting the time in 1791, there is a lot of his own history that he is kind of missing out on. Not good history. Not at all. Um, but I don't know. I like vampires when they're when they're so old that they're like, I remember things that you couldn't have possibly imagined. You know? Um so now he's a little bit younger in vampire terms. Um, so I don't know. That, that's a weird thought. I don't, I don't know if I can really finish that thought because it's just kind of it's just kind of forming. But I always felt like I don't think it's fair that this particular Louis doesn't get to be that old. That was my initial thought when they changed that time frame. I'm like, but now he's not as old yeah. and he doesn't he doesn't have like the breath of the spirit of, of all of the things like the white Louie had. That doesn't seem very fair. Yeah, um, yeah. No, and not to cut you off, but it's like, you know, because again, okay. going from 1910 and let's say because the, the series has premiered in this year, 2022. So let's say that in the, within the series, when Daniel is interviewing Louie for the second time, it's the year 2022. We're still, and mm-hmm. I, and I like how they also acknowledge the COVID pandemic because they, 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 yeah. they acknowledge yeah. it without like saying it, which I appreciate that. Um, So let's say that we're in the year 2022 within the series as well. So when you do the math, Louis is only 120, uh, 112 years old. So he's not as old as Lestat is. So it's like, I feel like, again, that I feel like that may have been intentional. But, you know, like you were saying. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, that that might have been. Which I just, I just think it would have been like, but but it's it would have been cooler if he was older. But that's just a nitpick. Like no one else has to agree with that at all because they're probably thinking, girl, but it wasn't super great in seventeen ninety one. For and I'm like, I know, I get that. I just don't think it's fair that they gave him the breath of being as old as white Louis. But that's just me. Every you know, that's just my own thing. But other than that, um. They also aged him up, and he's 33, 
and this is going to go into a little bit of a spiritual tangent, but I believe the OG Louis was 27 years old when he was turned. And that is the start of Saturn return. So he was a little bit more cognitively. No, he was 25. Mm, so he was a couple of years 25. shy. Yeah, a couple of years shy yeah. of the Saturn return. Yeah, he was starting to slide into that. Like his brain is fully developed and he is, you know, about to enter real real astrology manhood at some point, but then it was curtailed by being turned. Um, and whereas, you know, Lestat in the OG is like, God, what is he like 19? So like 17, like 17 to like somewhere in there. He's a teenager. Um, so that was kind of, I think that was really in interesting. You are right about him, uh, portraying this very, um, you know, he's got to provide for the family. He's got to do all of the things. Um, and Louis in this version is very aggressive, um, more so than the Louis from the books or even the uh, OG movie would have been. So already he's a completely different character. Um, not that I hate that change per se, but it's not Louis. This is definitely someone who has been built from the Hey you guys, what's going on? It's your good guy Prince Onyx. I just wanted to come and rap to y'all for a second. So I wanted to go ahead and shamelessly plug and promote my homegirl Crystal Mary's show. It's called Mary's Attic. Mary's Attic is a storytelling podcast produced by Crystal Mary, where she shares her horror short stories as well as fantastical fairy tale <laughs> fan fiction. Each season also has a cluttered closet segment in which she discusses pop culture and Mary's music box which is an ASMR room for those of you that enjoy ambient music. If you want to follow all of her projects, be sure to subscribe, not just on the podcatcher of your choice, but also take a detour to her Instagram. That is at moth underscore lace, where she shares her art and links to her red bubble and published works that can also be found within the description box. Again, the show is called Mary's Attic. And it is by my good friend, Crystal Mary, who was recently on the Royal Hour podcast with me, your good guy, Prince Onyx, and she is sure to return. All right, let's go ahead and get back to the show. Thank you again. Ground up in whole cloth who has glimmers of the OG Louis running throughout it, but it's not Louis. Mm, got you, got you. I'm gonna stick a pen in. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick a pen in that and double back. But Nate, what are oh, okay. your thoughts? Yeah, like I, Nate, what are your thoughts about like so, about it so far? My thoughts parallel hers a lot. Um, I do think this is a different character. Mm. I I don't believe that this is the Louis from the Anne Rice novels. Um, but changing the character like they have, they had to give the character a different persona in order to move it forward. Um, mm. So they, they made a black character. Well, Louis was originally was a white plantation owner with black slaves. So they moved it forward and they made him a black brothel owner brothel owner essentially the same status as close as you could get for that era 
Absolutely. And um, so they they tried to alter the the backstory a little bit. They I appreciate that they kept the uh, the brother and the mother and the sister because we didn't get that from the first movie. No. Um, I didn't even know about that until today. Um, so I do appreciate that. So they've broadened his backstory a little bit. Um, mm, got you, got you. I had several other thoughts that I'm forgetting. No, it's, um, hey, it's okay. You're all, yeah, you're all good. You're all good. It's uh, well. Here, let me ask you guys here. this though. Um, let me ask you guys this though. When it comes to the aggression part, do you guys feel watching it as as white people, do you guys feel like the aggression may have been like almost stereotypical because Louis was black? Like, what do you guys think about that? Yes. Um, I, I do not feel that the original Louis was that aggressive. Honestly, if he was that aggressive, it would have made him more interesting. Um, <clears throat> this character is far more interesting because of that. But his relationship with Lestat, again, is forced because of it. Um, Louis seems to me to be a very blasé person. You mean the OG Louis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The OG Louis is blasé. There's not much to his character. This character is far more interesting. I like him a lot more. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it wasn't until you kind of mentioned it, Onyx, where you were saying that um, maybe it's a little bit stereotypical to make him this really strong, really aggressive black man. I didn't, that didn't even like cross my mind until you had mentioned it. When I saw this character and being aggressive, my first thought was, who is this guy? This is a whole ass man. Yeah. Like he is, he's walking these streets. He's not taking any shit. And I'm just like, already I respect you so much more for just knowing your business and doing your things. Why do you need a vampire to come in and fix you? Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. And you know what? Yeah. And I will say this. I will say this. I feel as though he had to be that. Uh, he had to be aggressive in order to survive. It was a survival tactic because, again, of the time frame that 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 he's in, and being again a black man. Though yes, your le- his lineage definitely is giving biracial because you know it's giving mulatto because of what may have happened to an an- a distant ancestor during slavery so and i feel like that's why again they chose to put it in the 20th century versus like a 1780 something or what have you because we all know what would have happened back then so they Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like the directors and writers decided to spare us the black trauma that we would have witnessed and they just like all right well let's at least have it in the 19th in the 19 not the 19th century in the early 1900s and then go from there because we're we're still within the first episode that we have watched 
we're only in 1910. We haven't gone and progressed into like, you know, the civil rights era, the, you know, Jim Crow era and seen what that was like for Louis Lestat and Claudia, who, you know, Claudia will eventually join, join us, you know, as we're watching the series, she will eventually join, but we are, you know, we're just now getting introduced to the Lestat and Louis dynamic. So we aren't like fully like going deep into their timeline of their history together, you know? So I feel like he had to be that way in order to survive. But I'm just wondering if for, you know, people who are not black like myself, who may be watching this, how would how would you guys perceive it, you know, with seeing this black man being so aggressive and being so forceful and being like, again, on some like boss level shit where it's like he has to do this to survive because that's how I see it. I see it as He's doing this as a survival tactic to show everybody in the streets, don't fuck with me because I'm not to be fucked with. Because he literally, when he snatched his brother up from in front of one of one of his brothels, he like pulled out this blade from his little, you know, his pimp cane and held it to his brother's neck and was like, yo, I will slice your throat in front of all of these people. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I'm saying? You're again, you're interrupting my business. You know that this is how we keep, you know, money coming into this household, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's... So that was actually a question that I had written down and I wanted to ask you, Onyx, as as a Black man, how did you feel about the fact that they were portraying Louis as not only a brothel owner, but, you know, he's he essentially... Most of the... Um, most of the whores are African-American women... And I did notice that they, um, oh goodness, uh, his name right now, I got, uh, what is his last name? Or Louis, that's going to drive me nuts, unless I can find it. Uh, uh, Point du Lac. Um, the Point du Lac family also had black slaves. Mm. I, I noticed. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, they did the thing. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say black slaves. I would say black housekeepers. And I feel like okay. with that dynamic, I feel like they did that intentionally. It's like, okay, he's a black brothel owner, probably. And I feel like he was the only black brothel owner at that time. So mm-hmm. let's have it to where he works the black, he, his, his, um, not his clientele. But his workers are predominantly black women. He may have a few white women here and there, but predominantly it's black women because they would feel safer with him versus with, you know, John Albert down the street. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, they would feel safer with him. And then, you know, when it comes to the family, again, they are clearly still in the affluent socialite circle. I will say Mm -hmm. that they you know people like them they will all they would always have uh black housekeepers black maids because it was i i feel like and this is just me and again the audience y'all can let me know if i'm wrong or not i feel like it was a way of keeping black wealth within the black community because it's like okay we're already a black affluent family so why not have it to where our butlers and maids are also black that way it's like you know we're keeping money within the community because we're employing people who look like us Oh, okay. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's okay. Yeah, that okay. That makes sense. 
Um, cause I know, uh, you and I had discussed, I don't think we had done it on, uh, definitely not, you know, recording last time, but I, I think we had kind of brought up the fact that, um, not that anyone who's got, you know, I would say racist ideology is going to be watching, you know, a show starring a black man, but say they just came across it and gave it a try, you know, like they're going to watch that scene and see, you know, black butlers and be like see i told you i've been saying it from the beginning that you know that they own black people too and i'm just like okay you're literally solidifying that person's uh what is it called um divergenting argument like they always use that to divert the conversation um from what you're actually talking about when they bring that up so um but maybe maybe i'm worrying way too much about it you know maybe Maybe there's nothing to worry about because people that aren't, you know, are more prone to make those kind of arguments are probably not going to watch this show. That part, you know, because it's just like, again, going into it, it just like my only one of my main concerns was, OK, you have Louis being black. Will this be like, you know, will we see some like racial backlash from the viewers, you know? And I haven't seen that mm-hmm. per se, because again, a lot of the stuff that I've seen from my Twitter mutuals who are black and queer, just like myself, black and gay, black and bi, whatever the case is, we're, you know, black, we're part of the black LGBTQ community. A lot of them love the series so far, and we're only like four episodes in. Well, they are. I mean, you know, we just only watched episode one, <laughs> but yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of positive things feedback from them thus far so i'm like okay like it seems like people are really liking the story because nowadays it feels like the actors are able the actors and the writers are able to implement more you know homoerotic homosexual themes and the actors are more comfortable with doing it and being all right with that but before i go any further Mm -hmm. nate what are your thoughts on um on the previous part of this discussion (laughs) with uh with everything we're discussing (laughs) Which, which part? Yeah, which part? Um, <laughs> the, oh, gee, I'm, I'm trying to think myself. Damn, see, I, uh, I'm, I, <laughs> damn it, I got ahead of myself. Well, look, well, hey, you guys, let me let us take a break. Let me go ahead and pay some bills and give you guys a little cute little advertisement, and we'll be right okay, back cool. after these messages. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your good guy here, Prince Onyx. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder once again. Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a comment and tell a friend to tell a friend. Because when this show grows, so do you as the royal court. So I want to thank y'all again for tuning in and just give a friendly reminder to be sure that you are sharing with your friends, your family, your lovers, hell, your one-off, jump-off, whatever the case is, and let them know the royal hour is the place to be and the podcast you want to listen to. And now back to the show hey everybody what's going on it's your good guy here prince onyx and i want to welcome y'all back to the royal hour podcast i'm joined with crystal mary and nate mary we are here discussing interview with the vampire this is the updated adaptation from the Anne rice novel so we're picking up where we left off where um i had asked both crystal and nate about you know, what are their thoughts as, you know, white viewers viewing this show and you're seeing, they are seeing Louie 
who is this black man who is a brothel owner and him having to be aggressive and, you know, just move in a direction that is very different than what we would expect if like Louis were white per se. So um, before we had went to our commercial break, I had asked Nate about it. But fun fact, we had all all three of us had got lost on our thoughts because the conversation is just so fun. But <laughs> getting back on track. Um, Nate, what are your thoughts about it? Um, seeing it and seeing Louis being aggressive and have, do you feel like, like I had stated earlier, do you feel like he had to do that as a survival tactic because of the, the power dynamics and the time frame that he was in? So what are your thoughts about like Louis from like, you know, his profession and his line of work? Um, this is going to take me a minute, but I I do believe it is a survival tactic. Um, he's, um, I think it's a bit messed up that, uh, he has to bring in his, you know, the black girls to his brothel to do that. Mm. But for the, it's it's difficult because of the time that he's in. Um, I oh man, that is a very very hard question. No, uh, it's okay. Take I your time. I have many feelings about it because I all of them spicy. Yeah, look all look look, Nate. I want I want to get I want to let you know right uh, now, like. I want to let you know now, Nate, you can be as spicy as you need to be on the Royal <laughs> Hour podcast. Do not feel like you have to hold back. You have heard me and Crystal's conversations before. So trust, yeah. we let it yeah. all hang out. So however you feel <laughs> about it, let it be known. Because again, like again, like we're watching this together. And again, I'm talking to you guys now, the Royal Court. We're watching this together, me and my friends. And again, y'all know me. I'm black. I'm gay. I'm queer. Crystal is black. She's a part. She Crystal is white. I mean, I feel like she's black. Yeah, and I was like, damn. Man. I was gonna say. Wow. I was gonna say in my mind. I was gonna say in my mind, maybe she's black, but she's white. Her husband is white, but they are, you know, they are white. I'm black. So we're watching this together, and it's like you know, you're hearing all of our thoughts from this. So. You know, I say that to say, like, you know, you're, you guys are going to hear some thoughts and perspectives that may have y'all like, oh, shit. But it, it like the point of yeah. these episodes on my podcast, you guys, and there have been several people who have come to me and been like, hey, you gave me a different perspective on such and such. Like, you know, that's the point. Like, we yeah. want to give you guys different perspectives to think about and hear from when it comes to you know, anything that we're discussing, whether it's politics, entertainment, or whatever the case is. So I say that to say, Nate, if you want to get spicy, look, grab you a jalapeno, a jalapeno pepper, take a big old bite out of it, and let that fire breathe, okay? Become that fire-breathing right. dragon All that right. I know you can. So let it let it loose. I'll, let it I'll, loose. I'll be as candid as I feel I can. As but, you can. As you can. I mean, you got you, my permission. You mean if you bring it to the table too, like anything, I think what Onyx is also saying is, is like, if we, we can, we have to hear these different types of opinions so we can bring them out to open so we can discuss them, even, okay. even if they are incredibly fiery and might make people slightly triggered, we can't fix things unless we talk about them. So I so, uh, prostitution and whores in general, I appreciate their work. Okay. I, I feel that that's a way of making money. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Okay, cool. So Louis has created these establishments to bring in money for his for the black community. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. On the other hand, they're being abused by the white patrons. By the white pa- white patrons, dude. By the way, I love that black girl. She was amazing, and she beat the fuck out of that white guy. <laughs> I laughed my ass off, and she's like, "I ain't cleaning his dick." I love that. Okay, okay. and look, let I me let and let me let y'all the audience know. Amazing. And let me let y'all the audience know. So what Nate is referring to is this one part where Louis is running into one of his brothels because one of the girls who is actually a white girl, she ran out to let him know, hey, there's a situation happening at the brothel. So you have this white man who is we later find out he's a politician or alderman or he's he's in some form of government. But he was, you know, fucking on one of the girls, fucking around with one of the black girls. And he decided that he would put he basically he decided to do anal with her. But it's like she wasn't clearly she wasn't like ready and clinked out but also he didn't even ask for permission but it goes to show that it's like this is how you know prostitutes are always treated and seen as lesser than they're seen like property so because prostitution when you have when it's a pimp and a and a prostitute dynamic it definitely mirrors the whole slave master and slave dynamic where there's always someone above you but this prostitute in particular she took it upon herself to you know beat him with a bat and Louis had to like essentially so help good. clean up the situation. But as Nate said, the girl was like, Hey, I'm not going to help clean up his dick because he, you know, chose to run into an area where he shouldn't have. And I, I didn't appreciate that. So, you know, you, we saw that like, you know, there was people like that one particular prostitute who stood up for herself. Whereas the rest of the girls may have just been like, Oh, well, I'm gonna just let him do whatever. And just, you know, so I don't get hurt or whatever, but it's like, no, she was not fun. She was like, not today, you know? <laughs> I mean, that was actually, I appreciated that yeah, that, that was good to see too, especially because I think, I mean, it's so subtle, but it, it's not just the fact that it's like, well, he's just like using her up or what, whatever, because she is a prostitute, but she's a black woman. Yeah. And he called, he called Louis the N word. Yeah. After he was trying to like help clean up until he realized that it was, oh, right, you're the guy that owns this place. Oh, sorry. Right. And I'm like, you yeah, said sure. what you said. And you were thinking the same thing when you were when you were having sex with that prostitute not five minutes ago. Like, yeah. let's be real. Yeah. That yeah, part. No, really? Yeah, that part. So. Yeah, so it's like, you know, seeing that dynamic, it just it goes to show that even with him being because he's clearly the only black brothel owner at that time, there's still like there's still no level of respect. You know what I'm saying? Because when he goes to the other um, that part from the white patrons, because when he goes to I want to say maybe it's the main whorehouse that he runs and the madam there, because I feel like she's the madam there, like, you know, when he's not around, he she's kind of like the, the second in command or whatever. It's a white woman. So already uh, it's just like, you that know. That was a different whorehouse. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, so that particular thing, that's kind of an interesting point that they did. So that establishment is technically his rival establishment. Ah. And this is supposed to be, I think, in the books, um... Louis goes to talk to this neighboring plantation owner who was a woman and they just chat about stuff. He, he tells her about, because at that point his uh, brother has passed. 
spoiler alert. Um, and he's just kind of going to her for like a shoulder to cry on, essentially. I think that's what they were doing with that particular character is like, oh, she's the quote other plantation owner end quote except she's a madam at the other place mm, yeah okay see and that makes she's sense another, she's another owner yeah okay got you see that makes sense though cool. because i i saw it as see because see and you see how you guys have put me on to that because i saw it as like maybe she's like second in command when he's not around but she's actually his like rival essentially but he goes there and he patronizes a particular woman who's a black woman um you know and he he kind of goes there to seek like refuge because see what a lot of people may not have looked at is with louis we and this is my theory is that i feel like louis is bisexual but because of where he's at, it's the night. It's nineteen ten. He's in New Orleans, so he's in the South. You know, he's not. I don't feel like Louisiana was a part of the Bible Belt, but maybe it would have been a part of the Bible Belt. I'm not too sure. But so, someone tell us uh, in part, your five star iTunes reviews that part. Okay, somebody tell us in the reviews. You know what I'm saying? Like, let <laughs> us know. Like, or even send a voice message, which you guys can actually. Fun fact: you guys can actually send voice messages on Anchor. But anyway. Um, you know, let us know because I feel like Louisiana may have been part of the Bible Belt, but either way, he's in the South. It's 1910. And it's not like we're in New York during the Harlem Renaissance where homosexuality was practic. I feel like more socially acceptable. You know what I'm saying? So I, my yeah. theory is that like okay. Louis is bisexual, but, and, but his, his options are very few. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's not a black woman, he's going to fuck on, or even a white woman, it's going to probably be a white man because Lord heaven forbid if he gets caught with any man, but let it be a black man or a white man or whatever the case is, it's like he has to like hide a part of himself. And I feel like maybe that's where the aggression may show up. You know, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts about that? Oh, you want to take that one, honey? Um... Again, feel as spicy as you want to because, you know, I'm just that's my theory. Again, my theory is that, like, because he has to hide a part of his identity, that's probably where the extra aggression shows up because he's already a pimp. So it's like being a pimp already. Yeah, it comes with aggression. Most definitely his his aggression came from uh, his hiding of his bisexuality. Yeah, the patriarchal frown frown Um, real bad. Though there was a point in there that Lestat said that um, Louis never had sex with that woman. Mm. They always had conversations. Mm. But was she saying that like as in conversation? But the way she kind of emphasized it made it seem like conversation. You know, like, oh, we, we're talking, a.k.a. we're fucking. Or did I read that weird? You might have read that weird. Okay. It, All right. I, from what I understood from what Louis was saying, now granted this, or not from Louis, but from Lestat. Lestat, you yeah. know. Well, from what Lestat was saying, now this is from Lestat, so it could have been twisted. Mm. I don't know. I but mean, from mm. what Le- Lestat was saying is Louis saw this girl regularly. Mm-hmm. Yes. But never had sex with her. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm. Okay, see, I didn't even catch that. So they, ne- they always had 
dinner, they always had drinks, they always had conversations, but they never had sex. See, that was see that was the thing is like I know uh, Onyx had, ju- had just said too that um, he's bisexual. I am all down for a bisexual icon in any kind of mainstream media as a bisexual woman myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading him as ace, but that was just me. But that would also play into an ace stereotype, not stereotype, but like a feeling, right? Like I'm with this woman... I'm maybe attra- like a romantic. It would also be a um, a way for a gay character to portray a heterosexual relationship Truth. without actually having heterosexual sex. Truth. He could take her to dinner, have some drinks, take her back to the room. And just have a conversation. No, that's true. Because people would talk. They'd be like, ooh, he's he's out with Lily. he's out with Lily. Oh, he's going to a room with Lily. Oh, what are they doing in the room? Well, no one really knows. They're talking about checks and balances. She is paid to not say. That's That part, yeah. And honestly, because even, even like, okay, even in modern day, like, there are times where, like, strippers, for example, in strip clubs, and I've heard these conversations before, they will say that, like, guys will come in and literally just pay me $10,000 just to talk to them. It's not, oh, they $10,000 for a lab dance. It's not 20000 to have sex with me and, you know, take me into the VIP room and none of that. Like, they will literally just be like, hey, I just want somebody to talk talk to me about whatever. So it is safe to say that Louis was definitely patronizing Lily just to have conversations because maybe he was possibly a rom- you know ace romantic asexual but you know there was probably that part of him that was like you know I would want to have sex with you but I'm more inclined to a man because like there was a there was a scene where this white man had like walked past Louis's car and he kind of like they kind of looked at each other like they were almost like locking eyes with each other like mm, if only I could take you into a room and like do what I really want to do and I feel like in that moment Louis was just like fuck remember who you are you are this pimp you you know you walk with power because it's almost like he can't even let his the the girls the women know that it's like oh girl I'm a part of the limp wrist community even though I'm a pimp I'm y'all pimp and I run these brothels but I can't let y'all know that it's like oh yeah I actually like men and women or I just like men or I'm bisexual mm-hmm. but again I lean towards men more than I do women so Lily is essentially it's almost safe to say Lily is essentially his beard would you guys think yeah i i would i would say that she's a a good sounding board for <laughs> yeah um for for him and that that see i totally missed that that part where he was driving in his car and he locked eyes with someone else that, so that, that completely escaped me um i didn't catch it at all yeah just I, I was probably writing something down and I and I didn't look up and catch that because then that probably would have made it a lot easier to clue in that, oh, okay, something's going on with Louis because I, like I, I told you, he, he read very, very differently. But mm. you caught it. Louis so. read very straight to me until the, the room with the threesome. That yeah. part, like, yeah, I, when I tell y'all I caught that shit as clear as day because I was just like, he he's really hiding that part of himself because of like 
the the geographical location, the optics mm-hmm. of it, you know, because it's also a matter of like, okay, who the fuck is going to respect a possible bisexual or gay pimp? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's going to respect you? You know what I'm saying? So it's just yeah. like he has to pretend that he's not attracted to the same sex. But I know that that I feel like that was eating him up on the inside. So then you have mm-hmm. where. You know, after that whole situation with the with one of his his girls and that uh, politician and the politician getting wild and trying to you know basically do the backdoor action, um, when he <laughs> when he when he when he leaves the scene, we see Lestat is there and he's watching him. But like Louis is such in a daze of you know let me get my shit together. I just had to clear this up. I just you know it's a lot on my mind right now. He's not even paying attention to Lestat, but Lestat is paying attention to him because he's already marked him as his prey. So we get yep, into yes. the part of where Lestat kind of like he's picking up on Louis like um I want to say Louis not his traits but his movements. So he knew okay, if I want to get this guy's attention, I have to I have to patronize the woman that he cares about. And like, you know, that'll probably cause like some jealousy or, ooh, I can get a, you know, get a rouse out of him or get him revved up. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you guys catch that? Uh, I mean, I could see that being the motive definitely later. For the list. No, that's definitely a motive. Yeah. Oh, it's so cringy, though, when we already know that Lestat is uh, gay. Yeah. Because it puts it puts homosexuals back into the role of predator, which is roles they have been trying to step away from for decades. So I don't know if this is a that is that predator. I know. That's why it's like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. And can we just talk about the fact that I mean, this is just me personally, no shade to the actor. So sorry. Coming out my mouth. Can we just talk about how completely unattractive Lestat is? Girl, I'm glad you woke that shit up because, girl, <laughs> again, it's like, again, maybe and maybe y'all can help me out. But, like, oh, damn, because I don't even know if y'all saw the movie uh, The Woman King yet. But if y'all have not, I highly recommend it. But because there's this no, one actor and no. there's this one actor about? in it. Um, There's this one actor in it. He's like this. I want to say Afro-Brazilian, which I was really surprised they threw that in there. But, you know, um. And I was like, damn, he could have, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's like he could have played Lestat. I mean, I would have been down for some, you know, black on black vampire vampire love, but here we go with, you know, pale, pale face and pale cheeks. But I'm just like, girl, well, I got to take, I got to take my L's where I can get them. I'm just like, God damn. I'm like, here y'all go with this untractive, you know, B class, wannabe Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt lookalike. And I'm just like, girl. Y'all could have found anybody else, but y'all chose violence. <laughs> no, they did. Uh, it's Tom. It's Tom. It's Tom Cruise. Like here, here's Cruise the here's the thing. Cruise. Yeah, he plays yeah. he played the thing. But but you were right. He's got the he's got the jowl thing going on yeah. of Brad Pitt. Even though Brad Pitt so they were Louis. they were aiming for the Tom Cruise Brad Pitt right. look alike. Right, like heartthrob of yep that. And what they got was, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> Fabio. They got Fabio. Okay. That's, they got Fabio. And they cut the hair short. Nice. So it's not even attractive <laughs> long hair. It's like that shoulder length, awkward, 
awkward that awkward stage yeah yeah, yeah where it's, i don't cut my hair that short i've got long hair my hair i don't baby my hair is down to my my lower back and i don't cut it shorter than my uh, mid back because i like long hair but that shoulder length that is an awkward stage man you can't do anything with that hair Child, look, the most the most Lestat could do was throw that bitch back in a ponytail, and I'm like, child, Louis, no you, you, Louis, you could have chose anybody else. They did it once. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm like, I, baby. I mean, for real, that, that was a, that was my thing. That was like he turned around and I was like, oh, that's a choice, because yeah. it's. And I know this is uh, so mean to the actor. So sorry, uh, whoever's playing this character, but like. <clears throat> When I was when I was younger, I had a super crush on Tom Cruise, and somehow, even though I think he was in his later his later twenties, I think when he was playing, or he had just hit thirty, when he was playing the role of uh, Lestat, he somehow still managed to embody to embody a youthful appearance. Mm-hmm. And then when Stuart Townsend, who's personally my favorite Lestat, um, played him in Queen of the Damned. He was perfect for the role. He's, you know, he's just so, like, I, he's pretty. He's just so pretty. And I was just like, that is, Lestat is supposed to be this incredibly just Adonis striking kind of guy. That guy turned around and I was like, who is this 40-year-old man playing a 17-year-old right about now? But that's just me. That's fair. That's my spicy hot taste. <laughs> yeah. No, there was one scene. One scene. And it was one take that I actually saw why they cast him. Which part was that? Mm. They were at a theater. Uh-huh. And it was a side shot. Oh. You were taking notes. So- I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with the line from the Notorious B.I.G., Black and Ugly as Ever, however. So I'm here to tell you about Black and Ugly, a clothing line where the phrase itself is an oxymoron and it is not everything that you think. Rather, it's everything you think it's not. Here at Black and Ugly, you are going to find unique pieces of clothing from hats to hoodies to sweatpants to camouflage pants to backpacks to little pins that you can put on your backpack as well as your clothing down to jackets, hockey shirts, so on and so forth. And mind you, this is not your typical average wear. No, this is wearable art created by a black woman for for the people by the people. This is like FUBU 2.0. Black and ugly. It's everything that you think it's not. Be sure to head on over there and let them know that the Royal Hour Prince Onyx sent you. Ow. Sorry, I missed it. Yeah, you missed it. But it was a side shot and it looked just like the original Lestat. Oh, so Tom Cruise? Yeah. Okay. No, I remember that shot too. I remember that shot. It was exactly Tom Cruise right there. But any other shot? Nope. Mm. You're toast. Well, it was. It was. It was just. It was Fabio. Uh, that every part. Other time. That part. What about, 
<laughs> what about you, Onyx? Did you have feelings when 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 he turned his ass around and was like, "Here I am, I'm the stat." Chad, I was just like, Chad. Look, I just looked at him like, baby. I man, look, I could find me a good porno on one of these porn sites with two black fine men after this, <laughs> and get it busting, <laughs> and get it busting. Okay, but anyway, um. <laughs> So what, I, think, I think what he's I think what we're all saying is this little stat can't get it. Yeah, uh, no. Definitely can't, child. When I tell you it he is can't it's, hold it up. Look, though, okay, can't even get it up, okay? So <laughs> oh, when we shit, that's where I was going. Okay, <laughs> so when we stat. get into <laughs> I know, right? So when we get into um let's see, where do I want to go next? When we get into the dynamic more of how Lestat has, you know, he's locked he he's got his eyes locked on he has his sights locked on Louis. And so now he's trying to find ways into his life and trying to like study his patterns and really like really get not so much get under his skin, but you really be like, hey, I'm who you really want to be with. Because I feel like Lou, not Louis, I feel like Lestat clocked Louis from a mile away before he locked eyes on him. But even when he locked eyes on him and set his sights on him, he clocked him in the sense of it's like, OK, I know you're trying to hide who you are, which even pivoting into the family dynamic, because he's the only one who essentially works from what it looks like. Because, again, this is in 1910. So I doubt the, the his sister and mom were even able to have a job. And again, the brother Paul is clearly dealing with some mental issues, but he's a religious fanatic as well. So he, you know, just like a double whammy. So you have Louie, who is the only one bringing money into the household to keep a roof over their head and keep them in this affluent space. You know, um, it's just I feel as though with uh, Louie, again, going back to his sexuality, I feel like despite the fact that his brother no is is a religious fanatic, I feel as though he and his sister and his mother, like the family knows that Louis is, that he's not straight, but they are going to protect his secret and protect him just because of the optics of it. You know what I'm saying? But I feel as though that may have been like a weakness that Lestat saw in Louis that it's like, you know, I know who you really are sexuality wise. And you're trying to like protect it and guard yourself so much, let it out, like let it let your guard down. But Louis was very much, no, I don't trust you. I don't even know who you are. Like even going to the part where it was Louis, uh, Lily and Lestat and they were having dinner because, again, Louis went there, went to the, the rival brothel to, you know, patronize Lily and go, you know, have a conversation and just spend spend time with her. He gets he go he goes out onto the, the um onto the balcony he sees this random motherfucker who I feel like he Loki has saw Lestat before, but again, he didn't pay him no mind. But he sees him talking with Lily and he just like, who the fuck is this motherfucker talking to my girl, my home girl? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And but Lestat yeah. is looking at him like, ah, I got you triggered. Have a seat, but I'm finna Loki fuck you with my eyes. I'm gonna eye fuck you and have you locked in to where you feel like you can't even move while I'm just, God, you know, while me and Lily are having that part while me and Lily are just having a conversation yeah. but even Lily kind of could pick up on like okay I don't know what's going on at this table but I'm just here to get my money and just keep it pushing you know like so what were you guys thoughts about about that like with Louis his sexuality the family dynamic and when it comes to Lestat like really trying to like in in intrude upon his life 
Oh, you first, honey? Yeah, I okay. I feel that um lot to unpack. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you start little by dynamic. little. Yeah, start little he by little. Be, um <laughs> so he wants to portray the straight persona because that's strong and masculine. Yes. And nineteen ten. And nineteen ten. Um but He's not, but he's trying. He's trying so desperately. Mm. And um, then Lestat shows up, and he's pissed because he's blocking him from doing the one thing that he knows will portray this persona. Oh, because he's in, he's like in Lily's business, and he's like, look, I came here to... Yep. To hang out with this woman. Who the fuck are you? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You can see that. So, now, he's... Luffy's pissed off at Lestat because he's all up in his business and breaking his cycle. Mmm. Like, Which he's... A, yeah, he's yeah. essentially, like, breaking his um, appearance. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, he's, he's breaking his mask. And now, Louis doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And he's, and at the end of the conversation, he's outbidding, he's trying to outbid Lestat, who's a vampire and has a wealth of money because I don't have to eat. Um, Truth. What is rent? Um, <laughs> you know, he's, Lestat has money to blow. That part, and right, right. So, and... And uh, Louis has a limited finance. Even though he has a lot of money, he's still on a limited finance because he has a mortgage. He has things he has to pay. He has to keep his family in order. He has to keep his family alive. And he has to pay this whore. And the taxes for the uh, running of the brothel and yep. keeping the girls. Because he mentioned, like, at one yep. point when he was at that uh, poker game, he was, like, keeping the girls clean, like, doing all the things. Yep. Paying for abortions. So, yep. Not to so, mention the sister getting married. I'm pretty sure he had to cough up the money for that. Yeah. Yep. He paid for a whole um, uh, cruise and honeymoon for his sister he did that was pretty dope though that was dope man but that was a lot of money Back that then, he yeah. dumped on that so you know he's planning for that mm -hmm. so he's throwing down money that he doesn't have he's got it in cash mm -hmm. but lestat's just throwing money because what does Lestat have to pay for? Nothing. He doesn't have to pay for a family. He doesn't have to pay for... Uh, he's just bought a flat, but he probably paid that out flat. If he's not manipulating the owners into what money? Yeah, exactly. Because he's got that mind control. Yep. And so, you know, what What does Lestat have to pay for? Nothing. Mm hmm so Lestat has this fortune he's sitting on, and he's just throwing money away. He's like, oh, a ring? Oh, sure. There you go. <laughs> Have fun. See, that scene was, for, for me personally, like, 
this, the mother and the sister wouldn't have had to work to kind of, uh, you know, just talk about 1910 stuff um, because ladies, upper upper class ladies didn't work. It, that was completely uncouth. You know, only plebeian women worked, you know, yeah. usually as seamstresses and stuff like that, uh, you know, like that, you, you know, whore and or seamstress, like two professions for women, right? I know there were more, but I'm being generalized um the the whole scene um i think you do have a point honey with like lestat is breaking louis routine so of course he's going to be angry but at the same time as it is not but a little bit i'm bringing it into 2022 a, a, a little bit and i know i i shouldn't was something that's set in the past but i i feel like i kind of have to just because of the nature of how the scene went mm. it is not lestat's job to out louis that part but yeah, it, but it seemed like it, it seemed like that's what he was trying to do too which is just like yeah you know again it goes back to the power dynamic that i was saying like you know lestat is white louis black it's like dude do you uh-huh. not realize why you're trying to you, you know what i it, it's just like lestat was trying to be like magneto from again if y'all don't know x for, for the, talking to the audience x-men and, you know, Magneto is always about the homo superiors, i.e. the mutants, being more powerful, which essentially they are, than the homo sapiens who are the humans. So it's just like when it comes to that dynamic of vampires versus humans, you have Lestat who's like, oh, if you join me, we're going to be better than everybody else. Yes, y'all will, but Louis, and again, like I said, eventually we will see Claudia. Louis and Claudia are still black. So you can't just like... You know, even in vampire, even in vampirism, there's still going to be a racial dynamic. So it's just showing how like race is still connected to everything, even in the genres of horror and fantasy and sci-fi and thriller and mystery and suspense, where it's like you can't escape it as much as you want to. You know what I'm saying? And that even goes back to me and Crystal's conversation with the whole aerial situation where people, you know, like it's crazy how like a lot of white folks get so upset when there is a sci-fi film that features black people or Latino people or non, you know, non-black people or black people because they run to these genres to escape us. But then you see us in these movies and it's like, God damn it, I thought we got away from these niggers. Like, and it's just like, well, no, you actually didn't. But, you know, good. It, it was wishful thinking that you did. So it's just like, you know, they try to escape that. But I like how, I can appreciate how they're showing that you know, Louis was very resistant towards Lestat because it's like, okay, you're, I can tell that you're low-key trying to out me. Yeah. Like, like I can low-key tell that you're trying to out me, but you want me to be like you, but it's like, sir, I cannot be like you. Like, yes, I may be mixed. You know, I may be a mulatto. I may be biracial, but I can't move like how you move as a white man. I can't do that. You know? Yeah, I, and that was the that scene also made me super like cringy and un, uncomfortable as well. No, not for the reasons people are probably thinking, but it was mostly the uh, the fact that um, that scene, like you were talking about, like the identity politics of like, okay, this man is black and this man is white. We are really shown how much Lestat is definitely in his whiteness, I want to say, because it's like this whole reboot, I think is a response to the current political climate. And I, I might die on this hill, but, um, 
when you're watching that scene and Louis talking about it, he's like, Lestat is putting his hands just all over Lily, you know, like he's touching her dress. He's, he's reaching down to, you know, caress you know, her breast. He's got no shame. He's got absolutely no shame doing this to a black woman, you know, like in, in broad daylight. And I get it, you know, her, her profession whore, blah, blah, blah. but it's still, it still comes down to that is still a black body that you are touching without consent and he's using her his vampire tricks on her we see that because he reaches in and he just kisses her and then when when she pulls away she has this you know kind of response like she was very affected by the kiss so there's that Mm. and louis is not okay with how much he's just touching her he's just like what are you doing what are you doing Stop with the things. And also that team where he's poor, when he just throws that money down, Lestat was showing him up, I think. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, he was, it was very much a, oh, you have money to toss? I can throw my ring down. And for me, that felt so white in that moment. Right. I'm just he like, was proving oh, his supremacy. Yeah, that. And I was like, ugh. But that's. Even- but even that part but even that part like did y'all notice how when he when Lestat was touching on Lily in the way that he was and and Louis recalled how he couldn't move he couldn't do anything but let's say that he let's say that he could move he was able to like do something he I feel like part of it was the mind control that Lestat was doing on him and the other part was him re- remembering that it's like, okay, I'm a black man in this establishment. First of all, mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. other clients are, you know, they're part of the high-end, socialite, you know, rich, economic, upper echelon. But me as a black man, these motherfuckers don't respect me. They may patronize my brothels just like, you know, they patronize my rival brothel, but she's a white woman, whole another, you know, situation. I am a black man in the South. If I strike this white man for touching on this woman who essentially this black woman who essentially is property, what is then going to happen to me? So I feel like it was two things. Mm-hmm. It was Lestat doing his I mind agree. control. Thank you. Like It was Lestat doing his mind control, but it was also Louis being like, you know what? I have to have enough restraint, which we as black people, we've always had to have so much restraint when interacting with ignorant white folks to damn near to our detriment because then again you're internalizing all of that rage that you wish you could take out on them and you end up taking it out on everybody else who doesn't deserve that you know so did you guys notice that too so i don't think it's you said uh the ignorant white man lestat i don't feel in that scene is an ignorant white man he is pushing Yes. Yeah. There we go. Not he ignorant. Knows I meant to say arrogant. Exactly yeah. where Louis is, he is pushing it. He is not ignorant to the world around him. He is not ignorant to what is going on. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he is pushing Louis to act. And which is really kind of messed and that up. is super messed up. It was really messed up. But for Lestat, that's not actually that surprising. No, that's true. Because He's a button pusher. Lou Lestat is a button pusher. He is. He knows he's not going to die. That's true. He knows no matter what, he's going to survive this. So, what does he care if Louis dies? No, I think I yeah. Louis is the target. 
and he wants to push Louis to the edge of his anger, to the, the edge of his uh, emotions. And so he is pushing him so freaking hard, and he's doing it knowingly. And in this, and that right there is the problem with Lestat. With Lestat. And in this day and age, like, if this was your friend, like, if Lou was your friend, you'd be like, honey, dump him. Right. He's super toxic. That part, child, you know, I'd be quick to pull Louie to the side and be like, you know you don't need him, right? Like, look. Yeah, like, Louie <laughs> Louis needs therapy. No, yeah, I think you're right, but this was something that I, I, I kind of brought up in our uh, conversation before we had started recording this. I've never seen vampirism being portrayed as a tool, as as a uh, euphemism for white supremacy. Oof. Because that's exactly what is happening in that scene. Yes. He's like, oh, he's, he's like, I'm, yeah, he's like, I'm frozen. I can't move. Like Onyx was saying, and he's like, well, he has to, he definitely has to hold himself back. Uh, because, you know, if he is a black man striking a white man in this establishment, mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen to him. But it's played from the fact that I thought, like, no, Lestat is holding him there. Yeah. And forcing him to watch him touch all over this person he's, that he cares about. He's testing Louis' will. Yes. That's it's amazing. so messed up. He's <laughs> testing Louis' will against his own. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Speaking of which, Will. Hey, you guys, to my royal court, we're going to be right back after we pay some more bills. But I thank y'all for tuning in. But again, we will be right back after we pay some more bills. Hey, what's up, everybody? Just wanted to remind you again and thank you all for tuning in to the Royal Hour podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. Please be sure to leave a five star rating and comments and feedback. I love that. But also, more importantly, it helps with pushing me and the show and my royal court, you all and my lovely guests who I have on here from time to time through the algorithm. Doing that helps all of us win in the grand scheme of things. So again, thank you for tuning in and be sure to leave a rating and tell a friend to tell a friend and leave a comment. We at the Royal Hour Podcast love you guys for that and we thank you and appreciate you all tremendously. Thank you. Alrighty, and let's get back to the show. Hey guys, what's going on? I just wanted to let you guys know before we get on up out of here with your good guy here, Prince Onyx, I just want to let you lovely people know where you can find me. So if you are in the TikTok streets, you can find me at Prince of the Go. That is P-R-I-N-C-E-O-F-T-H-E-G-O. And the Go is short for Chicago. Or you can just simply type in Prince Onyx and I will pop up. Now that same name I just gave you, Prince of the Go, you can also find me under that same moniker over at Instagram. You know, trying to keep in tune with the whole Prince royalty background, you know, the brand. (laughs) And you can also find me under my second Instagram, Prince of Gotham, with the number one. And Gotham, like, you know, Gotham City, you know, in case you guys haven't put put two and two together comic book reference and you guys can also find me at fanbase prince onyx and you can also find me on these twitter streets prince onyx world now that after you spell out prince the onyx is o-n-y-x all capitalized and world is spelled w-r-l-d so it's world minus the o and that is all capitalized as well so be sure that you are following me and keeping up up to date with me and staying in touch with me as i want to hear from you lovely people and other than that we will go ahead and get on up out of here so i love you guys lots and let me know your thoughts on this recent episode until we meet again peace oh and how could i forget you can also find me on youtube 
Prince Onyx. Hello, come on now. I'm definitely trying to keep this brand going and going and going and going. Not even trying. I am keeping this brand going. But again, I just want you guys to know where you guys can find me. All right, talk to you later. Peace.